0: Let's just pray as we look at God's Word together. Father, thank you for your Word. We pray, Lord, that it will provoke us and instruct us, stir us up and enlighten us this morning. We pray, Lord, that you will sift my words, that only things that are of value will, will remain, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some, uh, some wonderful readings this morning, and interesting readings as well. Um, <laughs> they're still, still dancing, blimey. I've uh, got to start, I think, not that I think I have to look at all four readings, I know that, but I think they do kind of gel together quite interestingly, I'm going to start with the psalm, because I think the psalm sounds like really wonderful and innocuous, I was going to say. You know, it's just full of praise for God, isn't it? Great is the Lord, and most worthy is His praise. And then it says, one generation will uh, commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. And as I was reading over it, I was thinking, there are challenges in this psalm. And one challenge is, do we see ourselves as one of those generations that will tell of the mighty works of God to the next generation? You know, We have been blessed because generations before us have somehow passed on the Word of God, the faith of God, the stories of God's greatness, haven't they? So that somehow or other, we've ended up believing as well and coming into a knowledge of Jesus. And it's in, there's the challenge in this psalm to say, you know, are you one of those generations that are going to pass on the, the message and the goodness, stories of the goodness of God? They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. They will tell of the power of your awesome works. There's, there's strength and power in testimony, isn't there? As we tell the stories of how God has been good to us. And what God has done for us. I don't think we do enough testimony it's a bit of a churchy word isn't it, testimony, it just means telling the stories, isn't it, of what God has done for us. And then we come across this, they will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness and uh, no surprise, that's why we sang those two songs earlier, uh, I in the presence of your people I will praise your name, I will celebrate, you know And come on and celebrate. Are we the people? Are we people who celebrate the goodness of God? I hope we are. Um, And the, the psalm goes on to say, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Our reading stops there, but I'm going to slip in the following verse as well. And it says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Are we willing to celebrate God's graciousness to that extent? That we recognize that he calls all, that he wants to be, to show his graciousness to all? Or are we, can we be a little bit defensive and and, and keep it to ourselves a bit, you know? Uh, we talked recently, didn't we, about, you know, whether we really believe in the level playing field of God's grace? Or do we feel, you know, that there are some who are more deserving than others of God's grace? I hope we really believe that God wants to show His grace and mercy to all. Are we willing to celebrate that God? God who is that gracious and merciful. Um... Those who were privileged enough to come on Thursday morning to the morning Eucharist would have heard Darren talk about the calling of St. Matthew. And that was really a, a challenging and inspiring just to remind ourselves that God calls all sorts of undesirables uh, in, into his inner circle. You know, he would have, Matthew would have been. Mm, not one of the ones that you or I would have chosen, you know um, and yet God's grace and mercy is, extends beyond our our own perspectives and limitations let's go to Jonah do you find the story as funny as I find it? it's so funny, isn't it? isn't it funny? Um, we have this you know, wonderful verse at the end of chapter 3 where we're told about God's compassion again. It says, God saw what they did. He's talking about the Ninevites, who had been a nasty bunch, no doubt, you know, worshipping all sorts of idols and carrying on who knows how. And yet, they repented. They believed the word of God. And they showed that belief in repentance. And when God saw that, and that they turned from their evil ways, He had compassion on them and didn't bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. And then we get Jonah's response. Jonah goes, Yay! Thank you, Lord, for saving me. No, he doesn't. He is greatly displeased, he says. Uh, uh, And even he became angry. Now, although I find it funny, I'm trying my best to see that actually Jonah is a human guy like us and we probably might have reacted in exactly the same way who knows um, let's see how he did react he prayed to the Lord Lord isn't this what I, what I said when I was still at home that's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love a God who relents from sending calamity now oh Lord take away my life because it's better for me to die than to live <laughs> That's so funny. Um, he sees God's grace, doesn't he? He sees that God is gracious and compassionate. Is he willing to celebrate that? I don't think so. In fact, he uses when he says, Look, I knew you were gonna I knew you're gonna forgive them, he uses that as kind of an excuse, doesn't he? excuse to say, well, that's, that's why I ran away. That's why I didn't want to come to Nineveh. <laughs> and funny as that is, you know, can we identify a little bit with that? Can we say to God, I know you're so good. I know you, you'll you forgive these people anyway. I don't need to bust a gut in, you know, showing, showing the gospel. We can be like that, can't we, a little bit? You know, that we can use God's love as an excuse for inaction or for even escape from action. Remember that we can't use God's grace and mercy in a sort of glib way and say, well, he's you know, God's so loving, he's probably going to forgive everybody and everybody's going to, you know. Remember that... he was sent, Jonah was sent to save these people from destruction because they were headed for destruction. They were uh, disobeying God, they were trusting in idols, they were living in ways that were against the holiness of God. We need to hold both those things together, don't we? The holiness of God call to turn from sin as well as you know the mercy and the grace and compassion of God anyway Jonah Uh, so he's acknowledging God's grace but God's grace and compassion but very very reluctantly and he's certainly not going to celebrate it Why the death wish? Do you wonder that? Why does he say, I might as well die? <laughs> and why the anger? You tell me over coffee, if you've got some answers here. Yeah? Why is he so angry? Why is he so... Why does he just say, I might as well die now? Um... It's certainly an interesting contrast, isn't it, to Paul in the, the epistle we had today? remember that? Where Paul said, um, What did he say? 21. Uh, for me, oops, sorry. For me to live is Christ and die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me or hard work for me yet, what shall I choose as if he has a choice, I don't know I'm torn between the two I'd like to depart, i.e. die and be with Christ which is better by far but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body convinced of this, I know I will remain and I'll continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith So that through my being with you, your joy in Christ will overflow. It's a bit of a contrast with Jonah, isn't it? What's happened to Jonah? What does it identify about him? One thing it identifies about him is that he's only thinking about his own feelings at the moment, isn't he? He doesn't see any point in his living for other people. Uh, Whereas Paul is saying... I'd like to die as well, you know, that would be nice. But I know that going on living will be fruitful, be beneficial, and I can serve other people. I serve Jesus th- through serving other people. There's quite a different perspective, isn't it? I wonder if, in fact, Jonah. Listen to verse 5 of Jonah. Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. <laughs> is he still hoping for a little bit of vengeance? I think he is. He's sitting there waiting to see. Hey, come on then, let's have you know thunderbolts, lightning, rain down. Let's have fire on this city. But they didn't really, you know, prob- properly... Uh, repent <laughs> I hope we're not like that <laughs> um, and then there's this funny added on story I suppose a funny story as well this vine story he sits in this place there's no shelter but God is kind to him and makes, miraculously allows a vine to come up and cover him so he gets shelter and this is what it says Um, And Jonah was very happy about the vine. Suddenly, Jonah's happy. But then the next day, you know what happens. The vine withered. And then it said, he wanted to die. Now, I say it's funny. But can you see what's happening to Jonah? He's a victim, isn't he, of the changing circumstances. So that one moment, things are going well. And yay! Yay! Life's not so bad, man. And then next minute, you know, the sun's beating down on him, and oh, what's the point of it all? It's a funny, extreme version. But, you know, we can be like that, can't we? So that we are just, we respond only to the momentary things that are happening to us. So that we can be up one minute, we can be down the next minute, we can be in absolute despondency because something hasn't gone really well, or we can get a real lift up from something nice that somebody does it's human and we're all like that but we need to see and this is what God says ultimately isn't it, you need to have the bigger picture, you need to be living in the bigger perspective he says okay, you know alright, you think it's all about you, but actually the universe, got like 120,000 people who, as read out to us, can't tell their right hand from their left. You know, they don't know where they're at. Um, Shouldn't I be concerned about them? The bigger picture. And we need, don't we, to see ourselves in perspective, really. And and to see ourselves in in the perspective of God's grace and mercy for all people. Which brings us to this very interesting parable, um, and we mustn't think about it as if we were a trade union representative, because <laughs> I think we would, you know, we, we would have something to say about it, wouldn't we? But, just think of it in terms of the vine, vineyard owner, who obviously represents the Lord, and what do we learn about him here? we learn that he's caring and gracious and he did you, you notice how he goes out and finds people to give them employment and he goes out it, Is it five times I lost count really and uh, you know even <laughs> and some of them sound like kind of layabouts some they and yet even those people he says come on come and work with me and he gives them their wages first and he gives them the same amount as the ones he employed earliest and how is our what is our response to this i remember hearing a sermon on this when i was very young and it said something like you know we could have several different responses to this and i can't remember what they were but the most common response is that it's jolly unfair and would we think that? If you'd been slogging hard all day and you suddenly see these ones who were employed at late in the day up as four and the payment was given out at five o'clock and they get the same money that you do you'd think so <laughs> cool. the red light is still on is that alright? Yeah um, <laughs> that's so unfair. And yet, what is this demonstrating about? It's demonstrating God's generosity, isn't it? Yeah? And this level playing field we were talking about earlier. You know, he goes, he seeks out the people who don't look particularly deserving. You know, why have you... he says to them at the 11th hour, well, "You know, why, why are you still here? And they go, oh, nobody's come to employ us. Like, you know if you looked for it, no. and yet he is gracious to them. He gives them the same denarius that the first guys had um, and he says to them, "Are you envious because I am generous?" and I wonder if we can be like that as well. We don't want to be, I know, but this There's a tendency, there's a human tendency, isn't there, to be a little bit snobbish, a little bit thinking, well, uh, we deserve it perhaps a bit more. I don't know. I speak to myself more than anyone, I think, on this one. Um, And I think, you know, we, we need to be challenged all the time, don't we? I can remember, I don't say it's any pride, I can remember when Andy was here, Andy Buchlis, we had an infestation, oh, so terrible word, of young people at one point <coughs> who would just kind of rush in at the back and, uh, you know, run around and things. I was not particularly gracious to them and I remember saying to them at one point, um, now, I know Reverend Buchlis loves you and Jesus loves you, I don't particularly. <laughs> <laughs> um which is not a very gracious thing to say. It's funny, but it's not gracious. Um, I'm sure Miriam won't mind me saying that, but there are many of the, our volunteers in the church hall who we would think are not necessarily people we would normally cozy up to. You know, some of them are vulnerable and some of them have different problems. And yet, here's our opportunity, you know, after coffee on a Thursday, to get alongside, rather than to think, you know, we're church people, they're church hall people, or whatever. I'm, that's a silly example, maybe, but, you know, that, that idea that, you know, we are called to see the generosity of God on a wide scale, and not just hold him to ourselves, um, we have a good friend in back in Paraguay who spends most of his days down at the local jail. <laughs> he's a, an American guy who's probably eighty. Is he eighty now? I don't know he's older than me anyway. And uh, he's he sees it as in just to go and spend time down at the uh, the prison at the end of Asuncion near the near the river. And uh, just spends his day listening to their stories sharing with them in their suffering and in their you know their misery but also sharing the gospel with them he's he's a bit of a hero for me and um, reminds me you know that that ideally this is what we all believe that the gospel is for everyone that the love of God and the mercy of God Is for everyone. Um, I think that's all I want to say. Amen. Amen.